just my heart. Uh, we are looking at evangelism, as Travis said. This is our third part of, of this, um, our vision for the year, for the next two years. Humbly depend on Jesus together. Um, and part of that, the third part of that, is to boldly make him known. Um, and so today, we're looking at evangelism. If, and if you missed the first two, um, go back and listen to them, because um, that's kind of where we're going um, for this year. Um, a good few years ago now, I think maybe just when we first got married, uh, me and Haley did an ab sale down the Europa Hotel uh, down in, in town, and it was to raise money for something or other. Obviously, it didn't make an impact on me because I couldn't remember what we were raising money for. Um, but if you've, if you've ever done an ab sale, um, you'll know that there's a moment when you're at the very top of the building where you have to put your feet on the edge and lean right back, right? And you have to, you're, all of your weight is, is over the precipice. Um, and your feet are just kind of stuck on the wall. And there's a moment then that you have to actually repel yourself off. You have to let go of your feet of this firm surface. And actually, once you get going, it's not too scary. You kind of get to enjoy the view, and you're kind of just going down. But it's that moment when you're stuck at the very top, that's the scariest part, where your, uh, your, your heart is racing, where your stomach's in knots, where you've got the adrenaline starts to go through your body, and, and your heart is racing. And my suspicion is that the very mention of evangelism makes us all feel like we're standing on the edge of a building about to step off. Maybe you, when you think about evangelism, maybe you're getting flashbacks right now to an opportunity you had to share the gospel and, and your stomach was in knots and you had waves of adrenaline going through your body and, and your hands were sweating and, and, and your, your, your heart was racing. And I certainly don't want this morning to be a guilt trip about uh, why we need to evangelize more or we're not doing evangelism enough. I, I just want to simply give us a, 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 an overview of, of what evangelism is and why it's necessary and begin to scratch the surface of how we go about, us, about that. And I, I, I want us to see that even though evangelism may be scary, and I don't think that anything ever changes that, but I also want us to see that evangelism is a necessary responsibility that all Christians have, but it's also a privilege that we get to be part of. We get to be part of oh, as we serve King Jesus. So let's start at the very beginning. Like the song says, it's a very good place to start. Um, what is evangelism? That's our first question. What is evangelism? Because a lot of us probably have heard that. If you've been around church for any length of time, you'll maybe have heard this word, and you maybe have different ideas of what that might be or what it, what it looks like. Um, and this is a question that's essential to, uh, to answer if we are to understand why we evangelize and, and how we uh, go about that. And if part of our vision for this year is evangelism, then we need to know exactly what it is. I think in our, our first passage that Claire read for us in Romans chapter 10 that there are some answers I think we can throw up on the screen there. Um, this passage um, is from the book of Romans. And the book of Romans is actually a letter. And it's a letter from the Apostle Paul to the church in Rome, the very first church that ever was in, in Rome. And, and, and this is part of the letter, uh, in this part of the letter, Paul is encouraging the Christians there um, that the gospel is a message of salvation that has to be delivered to all people. That this, this, this thing by which we are saved is something that is to be shared with all people. It's actually literally like Travis said, it is the hope of the world. And that's the first thing to notice about, evangel notice about evangelism, is that the gospel is a message, right? The, the word gospel literally means good news. 
It's an announcement of something good that has happened. So it actually comes from in ancient times when, when a battle was won, a messenger would, would be sent back uh, to run home from the battlefield and deliver the good news that they were victorious. This is what an evangelist is, a messenger who brings good news. So evangelism is the term that we use to refer to speaking the gospel, literally delivering a message. And in fact, the word evangelism comes from the word gospel. In the original language, the same word. So to evangelize literally means to gospel people, to good news them. We are good newsing people when we share the gospel, when we evangelize. And here's the thing, news is only news when it's delivered. If it's not delivered, then it's just information in somebody's head or on a piece of paper. A message only has value when it is delivered. In other words, the gospel is a message that has to be delivered. The gospel is a message that must be delivered. Um, have you ever seen that movie, uh, 1917? Seen that movie? Really, really great World One. World War I movie, and um, uh, it's actually very moving, very dramatic, uh, and, and these two young British soldiers are given an impossible task of, of running through enemy territory in a race against time to deliver a message that, that would save the lives of, of, of uh, 1,600 of their fellow soldiers. All these soldiers uh, will, if they receive the message, be saved by an on, uh, from an oncoming attack. Now, that message is only valuable when it's delivered. Only then can it be effective. If the messengers don't make it, if these two, two soldiers don't make it to, to tell uh, their other soldiers, they will die. And it's the same with the gospel. The gospel is a message that has to be delivered. This is the first part of, of and what I'm going to do is kind of build up a, a definition of evangelism this morning. And the first part of that definition is this. Evangelism is speaking the gospel message. Evangelism is speaking the gospel message. In fact, you could take everything else away and, and that would be a pretty good definition of, of evangelism. Evangelism is speaking the gospel message. Look what Paul says here in Romans chapter 10. Duncan, could we just throw the passage back up on the screen? Thanks. Romans 10, look at verse 15 there. He, he, he's quoting the prophet Isaiah when he says, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. Now, now Maybe you don't see yourself as a preacher, but this word preach means to declare or proclaim or speak. In the original language, this word preach the good news is the verb form of the word gospel. Evangelism is speaking the gospel. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. And sometimes we miss this, don't we? Because sometimes... Uh, we think that evangelism is just being friends with non-believers, or it's caring for the poor, or it's spending time with people who don't know Jesus. And those are really good things, but that's not actually what evangelism is. See, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, before he ascends to heaven, Jesus tells his disciples that they will be his witnesses to the very ends of the earth. And we see this happening throughout the book of Acts and, and throughout church history. Jesus' disciples are, are witnessing to Jesus to the ends of the earth. And in the Bible, witnessing involves, what it means is making something invisible and, and making it visible. What was previously not seen through witnesses becomes seen. This is what uh, witnessing in the Bible means. And so one of the things we are called to do by Jesus 
is make his invisible kingdom visible to those around us by the way we live our, live our lives. And we bear witness to the truth that Jesus is Lord and that he is reigning and ruling over all creation. We show the world that we belong to our Savior when we love one another. Celebrating the Lord's Supper, communion proclaims visibly the Lord's death until he comes. That's something we say every single Sunday when we come to take this meal. When we love our neighbors or, or stand up against injustice or choose to be sacrificially generous, we are being witnesses of Jesus. And all these are good and important things. We are called to bear witness to Jesus and his kingdom by the way in which we live. But sometimes it's easy to think that we are evangelizing when what we're actually doing is, is bearing witness to the Savior. Being friends with, with non-believers is good and necessary thing, but it's not the same as sharing the gospel. Sharing your testimony is a really important and good thing to do, but it's not the same as sharing the gospel. Sometimes we talk... We only, talk about we, we only talk about sharing our faith, and we don't talk about sharing the gospel. We kind of stay away from that language. And sharing your faith is good. I want, I want people to, it helps people understand, this is what I believe. But sharing your faith is not the same as sharing the gospel. Listen, most days my faith isn't even strong enough to save me. So why would it be enough to save anybody else? We're only saved by Jesus and believing in what he has done for us. So we, we need to share that good news. The message of what Jesus has done for us is what people need to hear. The gospel is a message that has to be spoken. And we can get into the whys and the hows and, and how we bring that up and how we present that in a, in a way that, that, that people can understand. And that's, we're going to do that throughout the course of this year and help us to understand these things. But the message, the gospel is a message that needs to be spoken. Imagine you're, in, a, imagine you're in, in your office building one day, and it's on fire. And a firefighter comes in, and through the smoke and the flames, he, he shows you the way out of the building. He shows you where the emergency routes are and the exit out so you, you can be saved. And then a couple of years later, you, you happen to phone your friend one day, and they're like, actually, this is a really bad time because I'm in that same building, and it's on fire. Well, you wouldn't just talk to them about how good your life is since you've being saved from the burning building, would you? You wouldn't just tell them all about the benefits of, of living in a post-burning building life. No, in that moment, you would tell them the way out. You would show them, hey, this is, how I, this is, this is, what, this is the way out. This is how I, I escaped. Gospel is a message that needs to be spoken. And listen, God has created us all with different gifts and personalities and all kinds of things. And some of us are more naturally adept at, at verbally speaking the gospel than others. And in fact, evangelism is a spiritual gift that's listed in the Bible. But, 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 but proclaiming, declaring, preaching, speaking the message of, of salvation through Jesus is the responsibility of all his followers, of all disciples. Maybe you've read the passages on the screen and, and you get to verse 15 that says, and how are they to preach unless they are sent? And you're thinking, well, I've never been sent. Nobody's ever sent me. Well, let's not be so hasty because I think if you're a Christian and you're in Christ, then yeah, you have actually been sent. Jesus says in John chapter 17, verse 18, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. 
Just as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. Mark 16, it, Jesus actually says, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to all creation. The great commission of Jesus still stands and is still active for all of his disciples. And like we saw last week, if you are a Christian, you are a disciple. And so you have a job to do. To be a Christian is to, not just to be saved, it's also to be sent. See how it works? Jesus says, as the Father sent me, I am sending you. And Paul, following up on what Jesus says, how are they to preach unless they are sent? And I really want us to consider this. This is why the third part of our vision for the year, as Travis was explaining, is evangelism. Literally, the only reason our church exists, the only reason is to advance the kingdom of God in this part of our city. And the kingdom is only advanced when, when new disciples are made. And new disciples are only made when people hear and respond to the gospel message. And most of us do a great job of having non-Christian friends. And that's one of the things I love about the culture in our church. But, but how are we at actually speaking the gospel to them? How do we fare when it comes to telling them the good news that, that actually Jesus died and rose again for them so they can be saved by trusting in him? Most of our non-Christian friends, and, and listen, this is the same for me. My non-Christian friends know that I'm a Christian. They know that I'm a pastor in the church. And they probably even think, that's really good for you. I'm glad you have that in your life. But our non-Christian friends need to hear the gospel message from us. The gospel is a message that needs to be delivered. And we have been sent by Jesus to deliver this message. That's the first part of evangelism. Evangelism is, is speaking the gospel. Now, maybe that makes you feel <laughs> that you're standing on the edge of the building, leaning back over the edge, looking down. The thought of, of actually speaking the gospel to you might fill you with dread. So let's look at the next part. Why evangelism? Why do we do evangelism? Coming back to our passage in Romans 10, we're actually going to go back to verse 13. I'm going to read this again for us. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, right? So everybody who, who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. But how will they call on him when, in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without somebody preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. And you can easily trace Paul's reasoning here. It's pretty straightforward. People are saved by calling on the name of Jesus, right? We know that. That's pretty basic. But how can they call on somebody that they don't believe in, right? And how can they believe in someone they've never heard of? And how can they, and, and how can they hear unless somebody tells them? It's pretty straightforward, simple logic. Uh, before I was married, um, I lived with a couple of friends uh, for a few years. And um, uh, happy days. It was, it was, a, it was an experience. And when I moved into that house, right, um, for the first two weeks, I had cold showers. And I'll tell you why. Because nobody ever told me where the hot water switch was. And I thought, because we were all kind of like trying to be, you know, progressive, kind, nice guys. And uh, I thought, well, maybe we have cold showers in this house in solidarity with people in the world who don't have access to hot water or something, right? I just assumed that because no one told me where the hot water switch is. But as soon as I, they told me, I was like, oh, now I can just live in the, I don't know, I can have a hot showers. It's great. 
And the point is, I didn't know because nobody told me. And the point is, people won't know to believe in Jesus if we don't tell them. The non-believers in your life, be it friends, family, neighbors, co-workers, whatever, are in your life so you can tell them the good news. And, and people won't be saved if they don't hear. So when we ask the question, why evangelism? The answer is simple. So that people may hear and be saved. God doesn't need our help to save people. But in His wisdom, He has made it this way because it glorifies Him more. It builds our faith more. It encourages us more. So He chooses us. He's, he's preordained to use that kind of language that, that it's through His people simply speaking the gospel, telling people the good news that they will be saved. That's, that's how God has made it to be. Like during the pandemic, when the vaccinations um, were rolled out, there was a huge push by the government to go and get vaccinated. Now, this is not a statement about the pros or cons in favor or against COVID vaccinations. That's for, not for me to say. But my point is that if there is a sickness, if there is a medicine for a sickness, you take it, generally. If you have cancer, you go and get treatment. If you have an infection, you take antibiotics. If you break a bone, you go to the hospital and get a cast on. If you are sick, you take medicine. And listen, the world is sick with an illness far worse than any pandemic, and we have the medicine. See how this works? We have a cure for the biggest killer in the history of the world. Disease kills the body, but, but, but dying without Jesus kills eternally. And the good news is that, that, we're, that we know where the medicine is. We have the medicine. And so we have the privilege of carrying medicine to a dying world. That's literally what evangelism is. And I wonder, and it's going to get a lot more uncomfortable, I'm just warning you now, I wonder could the reason that we're sometimes less than enthusiastic about evangelism be that we ignore or forget that it's actually a matter of life and death? Just this week, I was, putting to, putting, I was putting our statement of faith into everyday language for our website, right? And one of the sections that is to do with the future, um, and this is what it says. This is what our church believes. This is what uh, I, I wrote for our uh, statement of faith. One day, the Lord Jesus Christ will physically return to earth. He will raise the dead and judge the world in perfect justice. Those who have not believed in him will be sent to eternal punishment and separation from God, while believers will be welcomed into eternal joy and togetherness with God. This is not off-the-wall teaching. This is what the church has believed for 2,000 years. It comes straight from the Bible. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 25 when he's teaching about the final judgment. He says, then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed, into eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. This is not me making this up. This is coming from the mouth of Jesus. Either we will believe in Jesus and live in obedience to him and, and therefore be with him in eternal bliss, or we will be sent to depart from him. And we need to ask ourselves if we really believe this. Do we believe this? Do we believe that hell is real? And if we did, it would probably make us more urgent in our evangelism. 
If we considered this and we prayed for our loved ones, we would be pleading with them to trust in Jesus. If we considered this, we all have people who, who, that we love who don't know Jesus. I'm sure we do. Well, what if we thought about those people and considered the eternal future that lies ahead for them? How would that change how we interact with them? If we considered all they stand to lose if they don't receive Jesus. And, and, and if we considered all they stand to gain by receiving Jesus. Because I think if we truly grasp the awesomeness of what is offered by believing in the gospel. And truly grasp what is to be lost by rejecting the gospel. It would completely transform our attitude towards evangelism. We might be less concerned about what people think of us. We might be less concerned about losing friends. We might be less concerned about stepping off the edge of the building. And this is why Paul says in, in Romans 10, 15, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Beautiful because evangelism is a privilege and it's bringing medicine to a dying world. Evangelism is not just our responsibility, it is also our privilege. We get to tell our friends about Jesus. We get to tell them that there's a solution to the, the, the lack of belonging and fulfillment and satisfaction they feel and experience. We have the privilege of telling them that they are loved by God and that Jesus died for them so that they can be forgiven. And instead of receiving eternal punishment for their sin, they can have complete and eternal forgiveness and, and, and freedom and live a life of togetherness, fellowship with God, not separation from Him. We have the privilege of doing this. And the Bible says that this is beautiful. John Piper, speaking about this subject, he says, Bringer, bringers of God's good news are so precious that we see even their soiled and bloody feet as beautiful. Beautiful feet are not soft, manicured, painted, well-tanned feet. Beautiful feet are, the, are like the dirty, worn, wrinkled, leathery, scarred feet from many miles of trekking into remote places with good news that could not be heard any other way. Bringers of good news are precious people, people of whom the world is not worthy. Beautiful for their worn-out bodies in the service of King Jesus. It may seem like this huge, even impossible task. It may seem terrifying. And the world will certainly not thank us for it. But even though the world may not value it, God does. He says, bringers of good news are precious people. John Piper says, people of whom the world is not worthy. Isn't that incredible? Beautiful for their worn out bodies in the service of King Jesus. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. And anyway, I don't know about you, but, but I would rather die knowing that I've done something that is valued by God and that has eternal consequences. And so now we have this very simple definition of evangelism. Evangelism is speaking the gospel message so that people may hear and be saved. That's it. That's pretty much it. And as we set out into this vision for this coming year, our vision of prayer and discipleship and evangelism, actually I was Trying to, I was thinking about this week how all three of those are all just tied together <laughs> and how they're all kind of the same thing and why they're all part of the same vision. 
And as we set out into this vision for the coming year, uh, maybe it does feel like we're standing on the edge of this building, ready to abseil down, knowing that people won't like what we have to say. They might even reject us as people because of it. But we can step off knowing that what we do is valued by God. And that's a beautiful thing. It's not just the, the responsibility of obedience to God. It's the privilege of doing something that is precious in Jesus' eyes. Evangelism is speaking the gospel message so that people may hear and be saved. That's the what and the why of evangelism. The what is speaking the gospel message. The why is so that people can hear and, and respond, hear and be saved. And so for, for the last section, I just want to focus on the how of evangelism. This is not super practical. Um, there are counter, countless books and, and articles and blogs and training courses and all kinds of things out there uh, to teach us how to go about evangelism. And a lot of the, actually the how we do that, how we share the gospel changes over time, depending on our context and who you're with and, and who you're trying to reach. For example, in days gone by when you had things like town criers and newsboys standing on the, the street corner preaching was a pretty effective method of evangelism because people would stop and listen. Or if you're sharing the gospel with kids, you're going to present it in a way that, that they can understand it, right? And this is the reason that, that we have our uh, evangelism training, our first one coming up on the 17th of October. 15th of October. <laughs> and, and Lauren is, is going to teach us some of the more practicalities of sharing our gospel. And we're gonna, we want to get good at this. Because actually sometimes we say, share the gospel. How, what is the gospel again? We know it, but we don't know how to communicate it effectively. And that's going to be really good and helpful. So, so as we hear more about that, make it a priority. But for now, let's, let's, as we look at the how of evangelism, it's really how we go about that. What is our posture as we share the gospel? And 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 2, verses 1 to 5, gives us real insight into this. Because uh, in this passage, Paul shows us principle, principles of evangelism that never change. The way we should be as we interact with other people, as we bring the gospel to them. This is what he says. He says, And I, when I came to you, brothers and sisters, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And I love that. I love that the, apostle, that the mighty apostle Paul is terrified sharing the gospel. He's in weakness and in fear and in trembling. He goes on, and my speech and my message were not implausible words of wisdom but in demonstration of the Spirit, capital S, the Holy Spirit, and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men and in the wisdom of human beings, but in the power of God. So Paul is writing to not the church in Rome this time, but another church, the church in Corinth, another big multicultural city, and he's reminding them of the centrality of the gospel, of the good news of Jesus. And he describes how he first presented the gospel to them, and how they first responded to it. And here's three things that we can learn about the how of evangelism, about how we go about this. Firstly, we speak with humility. We speak with humility. Paul says, look, I didn't, I didn't come with lofty speech or wisdom. Now, this is good news for those of us who don't think that we're smart enough to share the gospel, right? 
A lot of us feel that way. I don't really know what to say. I, I don't have the answers to the questions. But Paul didn't try to win them over with his like linguistic gymnastics or he wasn't trying to persuade them with philosophies or grand ideas or he wasn't trying to sound like the smartest guy in the room. He simply just shared the gospel. And, and see, there's an attitude here that we have to adopt. We need to speak the gospel with humility. Because, and, and here's why. Because there's nothing special about us that, that we have to offer. It's not about me. It's not about how clever I am. It's not about anything I've done. We're all just in the same boat. We're all just sinners saved by grace. So when we share the gospel, our speech and our attitude needs to reflect that. Listen, I'm in the same boat as you here. I need to trust in Jesus just as much as you. Sometimes we think that evangelism is charity, don't we? It's about the rich sharing with the poor. It's the, the have sharing with the have-nots. And I guess in some sense that is true. But, but evangelism is about the poor who have found the source of wealth sharing with others the source of wealth they have found. And all of us, every single Christian, is just as needy of those who don't know Jesus yet. So you know when celebrities get those honorary doctorates from universities? It's an absurd kind of thing. Um, it's usually from the university in the town or the city they're from. Um, they get these doctorates, and they didn't earn it. They didn't work for it. They didn't study. They weren't dedicated to the cause. They, they didn't do all the hours and hours of research. So imagine this celebrity then uh, with their piece of paper and their funny hat go down to the hospital and be like scrubbing in for brain surgery. You'd be like, what, what on earth are you doing? And the celebrity's like, it's okay, I'm a doctor now. Like, that's insane. And, and if, we, if we don't share the gospel with humility, we're just like that, pretending that the honor and blessing that we have has anything to do with us. Instead, we go with humility. We go like a beggar who has found food and shows the other beggars how to find food. We speak with humility because we are just as much in need of the grace of Jesus as anyone we share the gospel with. Secondly, we point to Jesus. Speak with humility, point to Jesus. And maybe this seems like stating the obvious, right? But we do need to be reminded of this. Paul says, look, I wasn't trying to win you over with, with clever ideas or my lofty speech. or uh, I wasn't trying to show you that I was the smartest person in the world. Look at my knowledge of you know, theology or church history or all these kinds of things. I just decided... I was intentional about knowing nothing among you except Christ and Him crucified. And sometimes we have to think that, or we think that we have to have all of the answers to the big questions. We need to know all the latest ideas. And, and, and this can be a hindrance to us. And maybe sometimes we even hide behind that. Oh, I don't know all the answers to the big questions, therefore I can't share the gospel. We think that that's the point of evangelism. We need to be able to t talk about sex and gender and marriage and abortion and all these things. But, but, but these things are not the point of evangelism. The, the point of evangelism is to point to Jesus by, by just simply stating the amazing truth of the gospel. That's what it is. And actually, there's nothing wrong with engaging in these conversations about these moral issues. And actually, the Bible has the only answers to these moral questions. point of it is 
The point to Jesus is to speak the truth of the gospel. And, and, and I've, I've often noticed that, that these things are the doorways into these conversations. For, for me, anyway, people want to talk about these things. They hear you're a Christian. Um, usually the conversation for me is like, oh, what do you do? I'm a pastor. And then it's like, oh, so you think this about this or you think that about that. And people want to talk about these things because they don't know that their real need is Jesus. They think it's a worldview issue, not a life or death issue. And so they come in with their questions or arguments about this issue or that debate. But our job is, is to know nothing among them except Jesus and him crucified. It's okay if you don't know the answer to the big questions. If you're not up on all the latest political debates and moral debates and ethical debates. You don't have to know anything except Jesus. I used to do this. I would try to answer people's questions about whatever kind of worldview they had. And, and whenever they came and be like, oh, you're a Christian, so you think X, Y, or Z. This happened to me a couple of weeks ago, actually. But now I just want to get to the point. I'm like, and maybe it's because I'm getting older and more curmudgeonly. I don't know. But I just think, you know what? I'm not going to waste any time anymore. I want to steer the conversation to Jesus. You're thinking about this? Actually, I believe that, uh, I believe that God became a man and died and came back to life again. Do you want to start there? Because that's the craziest bit. Like, I, I want to tell you that you, those things that you're thinking about are periphery compared to your need of a Savior. Great answers to moral debates don't save people. Jesus Christ and Him crucified saves people. Let Him be the focus of our conversations. We, we need to point to Jesus, not moral debates. And I think this is kind of good news because it takes a lot of pressure off us, doesn't it? We only have one thing to say. Simply speak the gospel. We don't have to have all the answers. Say that we don't ever engage in those things. Of course we can. Point to Jesus. Simply speak the gospel. So we speak with humility. Yeah. Point to Jesus. And finally, we do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. I love this when Paul's writing to Corinthians. He says, look, I didn't come to you with all the great arguments or fancy words. Simply told you about Jesus and that he was crucified. And then he says, um, let me read it. Oh, where's my place? He says, oh, that's chapter one. He says, um, verse four, and my speech and my message were not implausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. What does that mean? It means, listen, I simply told you about Jesus, that he was crucified, and then the Holy Spirit made you see that it was true. The Holy Spirit at work in His power that, 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 that made you see, that opened your eyes, right? See, the, the gospel and the, and the Holy Spirit work together in people's hearts to bring about salvation. It's not just us sharing the gospel. The results aren't dependent on us, right? And this is really good news. There's literally zero I can do to make anyone see that they need to believe in Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit who raises people from spiritual death to life so they can trust in Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit who convicts and wakes people up to their need of Jesus. I can't even wake myself up in the morning. I need an alarm clock or somebody waking me up to get me out of bed. So how could I ever wake someone out of their spiritual sleep? How could I hope to, to wake someone up to, to see their need of Jesus? But the Bible says it's the Holy Spirit working in His power that brings people to trust in Jesus. 
It's not, it's not a case that we tell them about Jesus and then they decide whether or not to believe and the Holy Spirit descends on them when they believed. The Bible says that it's the Spirit is the one who makes the gospel real to them so they then respond by believing. This is such good news for us. This feels, this takes a weight off my shoulders. We don't have to worry about how somebody responds to us sharing the gospel. All we have to do is share Right? God chooses who he wills. And Ephesians chapter 1 tells us that all those who will be saved, he's already chosen from before the world was even made. And so if the Holy Spirit is at work in them to receive it, they will respond and believe. So we can freely, and we must speak, and we should speak freely the gospel and simply trust God for the results. This is what Jesus means when he says, I am with you always. When he says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. It means that the Holy Spirit is working in conjunction with us speaking the gospel to bring people to salvation. Jesus says, I am with you always. And you know when Jesus said these words? Because they're not just some abstract words of comfort, you know, that you put on your fridge or something. This is, the, this is a promise given to us in the Great Commission. And if you don't know what the Great Commission is, I, I don't think it's in the slides, but I'm going to read it anyway. Matthew 28. This is just before Jesus ascends to heaven, after he's been resurrected from the dead. And, and he says to his, his disciples, he gathers his disciples, and he says to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus doesn't send us out alone. He's with us. Because His Spirit lives in us. We, the church, are the home of the Holy Spirit. That's true. And, and the promise is that when we step out in mission to go and make disciples, he is with us always. And it, you might feel like you're standing on the edge of the building getting ready to step off and abseil down. But Jesus says, that's okay, I am with you always. And as we set out on this vision this year, let's be encouraged to simply speak the gospel. And, and we're going to provide more equipment and training for this. We want to get good at this. Just simply speak. I heard a, I think I've shared this before, but I heard a pastor say one time, he said, uh, don't be afraid, just speak. And if you're afraid, speak anyway. <laughs> and I love that because Jesus says, I am with you always. You don't know who the Holy Spirit is working on. That friend that you've known and loved for years and years, the Holy Spirit might be working on them. People who are in your life are in your life so you can share the gospel with them. We don't know who the Holy Spirit is working on, but we do know that everybody needs our Jesus, right? Everybody's greatest need is Jesus. And he goes with us. And here's what I want to finish with, this final thought. The gospel works. I think this is the most encouraging thing about this. In Romans 1, um, Paul's right, Paul writes, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God 
It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And maybe you know what it's like to be ashamed of the gospel, right? And I have to confess, I know exactly what it feels like too often, unfortunately. Maybe this week, as you meet with your missional communities or you're talking about these things, discuss this. Be honest with each other about, about being ashamed of the gospel. And don't worry, because there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So even though you're ashamed of the gospel sometimes, Jesus forgives you. But here's why we don't have to be ashamed of the gospel. Because it's the power of God for salvation. Like, it works. This just means that the gospel powerfully brings about salvation in people's lives. We've seen this in our church. We've seen people hear the gospel, receive it, and be saved. And, and they go from death to life, and, and their, their lives completely change. We know it works. Paul isn't ashamed of the gospel because he trusts that it works. He has seen and experienced people being raised from death to life in Jesus because they have heard and responded to the gospel. So we may be ashamed of the gospel from time to time, but we don't need to be. It really works. If you're a Christian, you're only a Christian because somebody shared the gospel with you. Maybe a parent or a friend or lots of different people. And at some point you responded to it and believed. So we know it works. We know it's true. We know that Jesus really did die to pay the price for our sin. We, really, we know that Jesus really did rise from the dead in victorious to reign as Lord. And we know that Jesus really is alive. And he's on his throne where he'll be forever. And so we know the gospel. We know what works. We believe the gospel so we can lead other people to believe the gospel. We trust in Jesus so we can lead others to trust in Jesus. And we know that when we do, he is with us always. So my prayer is for us as a church, for me, for you guys, for all of us, is that we would be empowered to speak the gospel. Just simply speak so that people would hear and be saved. Let me pray for us and then we're going to come and communion together. Father God, we thank you that uh, we heard the gospel. We responded to it. God, we thank you that your spirit made us alive, opened our eyes so that we could see you, see our need for you and trust in you. Father, I pray that you would um, by your Holy Spirit working in us, make us fall in love with everyone. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to see the urgent need that everyone's in so that we would urgently share the gospel. Father, I pray that you would, um, in the midst of our fear and trembling, the way Paul was when he went to the Corinthians, thank you, Lord, that he put that in there. <laughs> Um, for us to comfort us and as we do the same Lord that, that we would just have this sure knowledge of your presence with us 